Happy Mother's Day to each and every one of you, and uh, we just want to extend a, a special welcome uh, to you on this day, a day that uh, our uh, country and all around the world, uh, families get to celebrate uh, one of the most important gifts God has given us as people, and that is the gift of, of moms. And so uh, we at Village Bible Church want to extend a special welcome to all of you and a special thanks for all that you do uh, for us as your family and also as a church. And we're going to dedicate our day, as we already have, to celebrating you and what you do um, for your God and especially uh, for us. But as we celebrate today, we recognize this morning that uh, while many will enjoy flowers and calls from kids and, and all of that, Mother's Day isn't always uh, a celebratory day uh, for ladies uh, throughout uh, uh, our world. Uh, for Mother's Day, uh, it's a day of consternation and frustration. It's a day of, of sadness uh, for some. And we want to recognize uh, you as well this morning. Amidst all of the uh, gratefulness, amidst all of the excitement surrounding this special celebration, we don't want to take anything away from your time of enjoying the gift God has given you in the gift of being a mom. We also recognize this holiday can hurt. Maybe today you and your mom are, are not talking. Maybe you're at odds with one another. Maybe this has been one in many Mother's Days that have gone on. Maybe you're a mom and you're not in a good relationship with your kids right now. We want you to know we're praying that God would restore relationships, that God would give you peace and, and maybe a heart of forgiveness this Mother's Day uh, to extend to those maybe who have hurt you deeply. Uh, maybe it's because of... Um, uh, the issue of, of not being able to have kids, infertility. Maybe this uh, day is another reminder uh, of broken uh, promises and broken dreams. And you've been trying and, and desiring to have children. And you look around all these other ladies and, and they're enjoying uh, the benefit and blessing of having kids. And, and your heart is broken today. And our heart goes out to you. And we pray that God would give you the desire of your heart. And that God would, would come and comfort you amidst your frustration and consternation. Maybe today uh, is an especially hard day because you've lost your mom. Uh, maybe uh, this is the first Mother's Day that you're going to celebrate without mom. Maybe you've lost a child, and this is a gentle reminder of, of what has been taken away, what is now uh, left void in your life. And, and we recognize and, and pray that God again would comfort you in those times. We recognize today is a time of celebration, but also remember it's a time where we can comfort those who are struggling around this issue of being a mom for myriads of reasons. And today, I want to take a break from our James series. We're going to finish our James series next week, and I'd really encourage you to come. I've been spending some time, a little extra time, focusing in on what I think is one of the most important passages in the book of James. And uh, we're going to take a break uh, just this week. Uh, to focus in on moms, and I want to share uh, an encouragement to all of you moms. It's an encouragement to all of us, but especially for moms as you endure the, the pressures and uh, burdens uh, of being a mom in everyday life. And so we're going to turn our attention this morning to the book of Luke this morning. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. If you don't have a Bible with you, grab that pew Bible in the chairs or in the pew racks in front of you, and turn to uh, page 869. 
For those that have been around uh, the Bible or around church, this is a story that uh, is a real-life situation that takes place during the life and times of Jesus' ministry. And it's a situation that many of you may know about. It's the story of Mary and Martha, two sisters, two women, that approach and involve themselves in different things surrounding their worship and their engagement with Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at these two women and their example. And then what I want to do is bring in a modern-day parable at the end of the message uh, through the use of a video, which I'll talk about in a little bit, uh, that will help you to recognize that uh, there is much that you can rejoice in uh, each and every day as the kids already have sung the blessings we can count each and every day. We many times, especially as moms, may miss out on that because of the pressures that come along the way. So let's look at this passage. It's a short one. Let me read it, and then I'll ask God's blessing on our time this morning. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Now, as they, and that's Jesus and the disciples, went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and you are troubled about many things. But the one thing that is necessary... Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let's stop there and pray. Father God, we come before you, and we do celebrate our moms this morning. We thank you for all that you uh, have done through them. And Lord, we pray that you would bless them, that you would shine your face upon them. Lord, that we would uh, show our gratitude. I know that in my own life, I, I am not very good at that both in the life of my own mom and the, in the life of my wife, thanking them for all that they do, all of the sacrifice. And so, Lord, we, we celebrate, we thank you for the gift of moms. We think of those, Lord, who are troubled today, who are anxious today because of the circumstances surrounding motherhood. And there's a myriad of things, as we've already talked about. So, Lord, you know better how to minister and encourage and comfort and Lord, I pray that uh, those that are hurting today uh, would turn to you, that they would run to you, that they would cast their cares and anxieties on you, knowing that you care for us. Don't let us miss that as Martha did this morning, that you are a caring and loving God. Teach us today about the good that we can do. And Lord, as we'll see in Mary's example, uh, not allowing the good to uh, detour us from the great. Let us be like Mary, who sits at your feet, who in, enjoys the time that we have with you. Lord, I pray that we would do so for our good and for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. As a Cubs fan for a lifetime, it was of great joy when the Cubs won the World Series. And one of the things building up to the World Series was all of the changes that the Cubs did to once and for all get rid of that 108-year curse. And one of the things that they did was they hired the best manager in baseball, Joe Madden. And they did so 
paying a large amount of money to do so. But they believed if they were going to be a winning team, they needed to find the best, uh, smartest, wisest uh, coach for its players. And Joe Madden has turned out to be that kind of manager for the Cubs. And Joe Madden is known as the player's coach, the player's manager. And, and one of the reasons why is he has these quips, he has these quotes, these mottos that he shares with his team that help to, in essence, get the guys focused in the right direction. One of the things that he says is respect 90. That is that you run out every play, whether it's a lazy fly ball to the second baseman or, or a double that's hit to the wall, you come out of the batter's box and you respect the 90 feet between home plate and first base. You're running all the time. But the motto I love the best, the one that I want to share with you is what's on the screen and then your bulletin this morning. Uh, he told his players, a group of young players, don't let the pressure exceed the pleasure. What he meant was, is, hey, listen, I know being a major league baseball player has all kinds of pressures to it. I mean, when you and I fail, we fail maybe in front of a handful of people. But when a major leaguer strikes out, he strikes out in front of 40,000 fans and, and millions of fans who are watching uh, on TV. And so the pressure can begin to build. You can begin to forget the great joy it is to be able to get paid millions of dollars to play a kid's game. And his motto rang true. Don't let the pressure exceed the pleasure. Have fun. Enjoy all the good that comes. Even when things are tough on the ball field, enjoy the fact that you get to play baseball and you get to live out a dream that millions of kids have growing up. Well, I thought about that motto and that motto began to ring true. And it rang true not only in our text, but I think it rings true especially for moms this morning. You see, for moms, uh, many times, the pressure exceeds the pleasure. Uh, this morning probably is a great indication of that, quite frankly, probably not, because this is the one day the kids are on time with things. Today is the day that all the kids hug you and kiss you and, and show you all kinds of affection. But every other day, they live the lie, right? They, 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 they do everything that can seemingly go opposite of what you want. Just getting the kids out of the house on a random day is, is like a, a work and, and an act of Congress to take place. And you have your hair getting pulled out and you're fray, all fried out and frenzied by the comings and goings, keeping track of the schedules, keeping track of who's going where and what is going on. And all of that can make you forget the great joy it is, the great God, gift God has given you with your children. For many moms today, the pressure exceeds the pleasure. You've forgotten what a great gift it is to be a mom. And I want to remind you today through a simple lesson, there's not a lot of depth to my message today because we're just simply told the facts. Uh, four verses tell us what transpires. And what I want to do is I want to look at this and share some thoughts of what I see in these two women. And I want you as a mom to ask this morning, am I more Martha or am I more Mary? Now, for all of you who aren't moms, you can apply this truth to your own life as well. And, uh, and as we do, my hope is that amidst the great pressures that each of us have in life, especially for you as moms, that you would walk away not allowing those pressures to exceed the pleasure it is to be a child of God and to have the gift of people you love around you. So let's look to the text this morning. 
The story of Mary and Martha. Let me just reiterate what the story's about. Jesus and his disciples have just gotten off of their ministry journey where Jesus has sent out 72 of his disciples to nearby communities to preach the good news, to heal people, and to minister to people in all kinds of villages. They've come back and they've approached the town of Bethany. Bethany is about a two-mile, uh, a city that's located two miles east of Jerusalem. So it's kind of like the suburb of the great city of Jerusalem. Jesus had spent a lot of time in Bethany, and one of the reasons why was some of his closest friends lived there. His friends were Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus. Jesus would do probably his greatest miracle, other than being resurrected from the dead himself, the greatest miracle in his whole earthly uh, time uh, by raising Lazarus, their younger brother, Martha and Mary's younger brother, back to life after four days of being in the tomb. And so Jesus loved these people. When When Lazarus was dead, we read that Jesus wept, that he was undone by the death of his friend. So Jesus goes and says, listen, the ministry is done. Let's take some time. Let's do some rest. Let's go to Martha and Mary's house. Let's go. They'll receive us. They'll show us hospitality. I just need some time to relax. And so Jesus and his disciples, and we don't know how many. Could it have been just the 12? Or could it have been the 72? We're not sure, but a group of people show up to Martha's house. We're not told, by the way, if it was a planned visit or not. You want to know if you're a Mary or Martha? Think about how you would do when 12 to 72 people show up at your door and say, hey, we're here to hang out. Hey, we're here to have a meal. Hey, can we spend the night? Well, that's exactly what they do. They enter into the home and wherever Jesus is at, whether he was resting or teaching, a crowd would assemble and Jesus is in the living room. And he's sharing and he's teaching and with rapt attention, people are listening. And Mary is there sitting at his feet. It says he's sitting right at his feet. I mean, she's right there. She's up close and personal with her master and savior. But where is Martha? Martha's back in the kitchen. Martha's making sure that the lamb roast is being cooked and basted. She's making sure all the fine china is out on the table. She probably still is vacuuming and dusting. She is working. She's doing what we do at the Badal House before we invite you fine people over. She's throwing everything into that one closet, you know, shoving it in and, and pushing And she's wondering, because she's sweating, she's got her sleeves rolled up, the apron is on fire, she's moving around, and she's wondering, it sure would be nice if my sister was around. Where's Mary? Why isn't Mary helping? The word when it says she welcomed them into her home gives a picture of not just saying, hi, how are you, but it's a picture of really being the master of ceremonies, Really, what, what it looks like is she was there to minister to all their needs. So the idea is, is food. The idea is a clean place to rest. The idea also gives us the impression that these people stayed the night. She's changing the sheets. She's making sure the throw pillows are where they're supposed to be instead of where they are every other day of the year. Okay? She's making sure everything is in its proper place. And where's Mary? Lazy Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, not giving a care or concern to the details that are before these women and their job of showing hospitality. 
So within that, I want you to see this morning three things very quickly. I'm not going to belabor this, but I want you to see three things this morning. The first thing we need to recognize is that women are different. I don't know if you know that or not, but first of all, men, you need to understand this. Women are different than you, okay? If you have not come to that realization, women do not operate like you do. It has been said by counselors and speakers, men are waffles, women are bowls of spaghetti. Okay? We work with fine lines, okay? We work with linear thought. Women, man, they, they kind of just go by their own way, and that's okay. God created us, male and female, for that reason. To draw out of the genders an ability to know and recognize the creative heart of God. But amongst that isn't just a difference between males and females, but also within the gender of female, there is a lot of difference. No two ladies are made the same. They have different likes. They have different desires. They have different personalities. They have different uh, pursuits in life. They have different dreams, different aspirations. And, And listen... We need to be very careful that we don't put in a box, this is what the, the right kind of woman, this is what the traditional kind of woman needs to look like. God has created women uh, to be all manner of things, with all manner of giftings. And today, in one family, we see two very different women. Mary, who is far more laid back. Mary, who is far more relational. Mary, who seems far more open to community. And then there's Martha, task-oriented, type A personality, get the job done. The job is more important than the people. And I want you to know before we get too far into this, it isn't that Martha's bad and Mary's good, because there is susceptibility in each of their lives. Mary's, if you're a Mary this morning, you can sometimes be so uh, calm and so laid back that you can be lazy. You can be so calm and laid back that you can forget the important details of life and sometimes the details are the most important thing. Whereas Martha's, you can get so focused in on a task that you forget people and their feelings. That you miss out on opportunities because you're doing instead of enjoying the life that God has brought you in that day. And you're focused in on the details that you miss the big picture. We have two very different women this morning. And we see it, first of all, in their activity. Write that down this morning. Their activity. Notice, Martha focuses on doing. She focuses in on doing. Martha's the firstborn. The reason why we know that is in in ancient literature, when you named the person first, uh, they were usually the oldest. So she's the older one. She's the driver. She's the to-do list kind of lady. She's the gal who, as a young woman, would come home from school. She would check her chore chart. Okay, what do I need to get done? She before, listen, before she would go out and play with her friends, she got her homework done. Okay? And she would tell her friends, hey, i got to get my math done before I can go out and, and play with you. She was the rule follower. Okay? She was the one who said, but mom and dad said we couldn't do that. She was the one who made sure all of her ducks were in a row. She was a realist, she was task-oriented, and she approached life with boxes. Everything had to have its place. And until everything was in its place, she couldn't have much fun. Now, we need to be careful. 
Because again, I, as I studied this passage, a lot of people right away give Martha a failing grade. Listen, if we didn't have Marthas in the world, both male Marthas and female Marthas in the world, nothing would get done. As a pastor, I'm thankful for the Marthas in this church. The ones who roll up their sleeves and say, we're going to get this thing done. And we've got a checklist and we're going to make sure everything starts on time and ends on time. Because if we didn't have those kinds of Marthas, it would be chaos. Nothing would get accomplished. But Martha is one of those ladies that pastors love because she's getting things done. Now I also want you to know, it's not just she's cold and getting things done. But right before this passage... If you notice, Jesus has just taught, look in your Bible to the passage before it, the parable that Jesus gives right before this passage is the parable of the Good Samaritan, where Jesus is telling his disciples what it means to be a good neighbor. I want you to know this morning that Martha is living out the parable of the Good Samaritan. She's feeding, she's caring, she's ministering through her gifts. What the Good Samaritan was commended for in the story that Jesus shares. We need to have great sympathy for the Marthas of the world because while they may not be perfect, they live out gifts and abilities that help us to live life well, as Mary did, I'm sorry, as Martha did for Jesus. Unnoticed Mary. Mary focuses not on doing. We don't see her doing anything. We see her focusing in on being. What that means is she's just allowing life to come to her, enjoying the good things that come in life. And, and, and that's a stark difference. She's more like a butterfly. Wherever the wind blows, that's where she's going. Mary is about relationships. Mary doesn't like schedules because people don't operate on schedules. Their needs, their, uh, their conversations. She's the one... If you want to have fun, if you want to let your hair down, you want to hang around with Mary. You want to be with her. She's going to make sure <clears throat> that you have a good time. You're not going to get a lot done. Nothing's going to get crossed off the list, but you're going to enjoy getting nothing accomplished. Because she worries about relationships. Have I seen so-and-so? Have I had an opportunity just to sit back and hear how they're doing? Uh, she's the one that will ask you, no, no, take some time. How are you doing this morning? Tell me what's going on in your life. She's the one that while Martha may seem cold, Mary seems very caring. You see, for Martha, it's got to do the dishes, got to get the laundry done, got to get the tasks done. Jesus is here. We got to clean up this place. We see Mary is a type B personality, all about people, and Martha's type A. In her spiritual life, Mary would be worried about being in the presence of God, being in the presence of Jesus, growing in His love and listening to Him and being taught by Him, enjoying Him. Uh, to put it this way, Martha's in the kitchen, Mary's in the living room. Martha's doing the work. Mary is living life. She's enjoying what takes place. So who are you this morning? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. And some of you, you'll say, well, I'm neither. And you think that that's good. You say, listen, I supersede these people. Okay? And maybe that might be true. But for most of us, we lean to one or the other. And we find ourselves either being a Martha or being a Mary. And moms today... 
I want you to recognize that your engagement as being a Martha and Mary doesn't just involve your relationship with Jesus Christ. But let me ask you this question. Are you a Martha uh, with your husband? Are you a Martha with your kids? Where it's do, 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 do. And, and the thought is, and it's a good thought, that I'm providing, I'm caring, I'm doing all the things that are important because I love. And I think Martha was doing that. Martha loved Jesus. And she's like, well, listen, I'm going to serve Jesus in this way. I'm going to minister to him because I love him. But in doing so, we need to be careful, and we'll learn this in a moment, that our doing can be, substitu- can be substituting just living life and being. And so maybe we're doing all these things for our husbands, all these things for our kids, and we haven't stopped to say, am I living life with them? Am I enjoying them? Or am I allowing the pressures of the to-do list to keep me from really enjoying my kids, to really enjoy my family, to enjoy the friends and the, the church around me? Are you a Mary this morning? Mary, there's some things that you need to work on. Marys need to recognize that there is work to be done. Marys need to recognize that it isn't always the best thing to do to sit and listen. There are times, I think the reason why Martha's home is the place of fellowship for the disciples is because they could count on Martha. That they knew when they came to Martha's house, the, the house would be in an order. There would be opportunity for a meal to be shared. That the details would be taken care of. And Mary couldn't just sit at Jesus' feet, couldn't just sit and listen to people, that there's always some level of work to be done. And we need to balance that. So if you're Martha's today, don't say, well, I'm a bad person. Pastor Tim said I'm a sinner and I'm a bad mom. That's not what I'm saying at all. But Martha's recognize the susceptibility to uh, leaning too far in the Martha kind of life. And add some Mary moments into your life. Mary, uh, if you're a Mary this morning, maybe start moving and asking the question, am I, for the sake of great spirituality or relationship, not living up to what I need to do in the way of tasks and and jobs that are before me? It's an issue of not either or, but a both and. And so notice the approaches that they have. So we see, uh, first of all, their activity, then their approach. I want you to recognize there's a reason why we do this. There's a reason why we approach this way. And they approach Jesus in two different ways. And I think we as people approach Jesus in two different ways. First of all, Martha has this idea, I have to or I must work for God. And that is in the doing of things. We just got done, or we're just going to get done with a series out of the book of James. Listen, Martha's Martha's love the book of James. Mary's hate the book of James. Okay, so if you just got done uh, doing the book of James in your study, and you're like, I am so tired of do this, do that. Uh, Man, this is no fun. Uh, When do we get to that Jesus loves me? This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Why is it do, 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 do? Martha's love it. Martha's are writing down list after list after list. Okay, I'm going to do that check. I'm going to do that check. Give me more. I want ten more chapters of James. Because we like doing. We like people to tell us that things need to be done. There's something greatly spiritual spiritual about an empty sink of dishes. About no laundry on the floor. 
There's something spiritual about getting your kids to where they need to be at on time. There's something spiritual about being able to check something off and saying, God, I've done what you've required of me. Now, where we've got to be careful is, and where Martha's have to be careful, is that we get this idea that if I don't do this, God won't love me. If I don't accomplish this task, then God's going to be angry with me. But the Bible doesn't say that. While there's much to do in the Christian life, the Bible never says, if you don't do this, you won't be saved. If you don't do this, then you won't be uh, loved by God as a child of His. That if you don't do this, God's going to come down and knock you off your, uh, your seat with a hammer. But we get this idea, and I wonder if Martha is saying, if I don't do the best that I can, if I don't just work my knuckles down to the bone, then Jesus isn't going to think I care. Then Jesus is going to question my relationship with him. And as a result of that, Martha's can get a skewed view of God. I have to do this in order for God to love me. I have to do this to please Jesus. Whereas Mary, Mary's approach, she says, I get to walk with God. I get to relate to Him. I get to engage with Him. Now, again, Mary can come across looking all the more spiritual. But Mary's, you can fall by the wayside because what you can say is because God loves me so much, because He thinks so highly of me, because He cares about me so much, then I can do really whatever I want and God's going to love me. I'm going to sin all the more so grace may abound. I'm going to be living my life fast and loose and not live out the spiritual disciplines, not have an order to my life because God loves me just as I am and there's no reason for me to change. But I want you to recognize this morning, Marys, that the Bible speaks often about the spiritual disciplines, about the to-do list of the Christian life. There's a lot, and we learned in the book of James, and you hated the book of James, right? You hated it. You like this kind of message, you know, just, just Jesus loves and Jesus cares and all of that. But you need to recognize the Bible is full of what we call imperatives in Scripture, callings for us to do things. Yes, there is a season for us to work, but very carefully this morning, you must recognize, and I need to know this as a pastor, I'm preaching this to myself, while there is much work to be done for God, if I am not walking with Him, then I'm in trouble. And maybe today, in your mothering, in your care for your husband, in the care of your kids and grandkids, it's all about work. And if you're not walking with them, you're missing out on the great blessing, the great benefit that comes from being a mom, from being a caregiver, from being a nurturer, to, to being the one that God has given uniquely you the job and opportunity to minister to those. Yes, we have to work for God. Yes, He calls us to be servants of His. But if we do so without walking with Him, we're going to get upset just as Mary does here in the text. Are you working for God to somehow garner His approval? Or are you walking with Him? Martha and Mary show us both. Now finally, notice the attitude. The attitude. Verse 40 and 41, let's look at that. So Martha is serving, Mary is sitting. But it says Martha was distracted with much serving, verse 40 says. And she went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve 
alone. Tell her, I love this, tell her to help me. What's your attitude this morning as a mom? What's your attitude as a wife this morning? When we look at Martha, because she's so focused in on serving and doing and missing out on the being, I want you to notice Martha is fed up. She's fed up. And some of you are fed up. My mom used to tell me, I am this angry right now. And I don't know what would happen if she got this angry. We never wanted to find out, right? And I never heard that she was this angry. It was always right around here. But Martha's fed up. Have you ever been there where you're working and you're sweating and you're making sure everybody knows that you're taking that spoon and rattling that pan and don't you know you're throwing the vacuum against the wall? Someone notice what's happening? And Mary said, ooh, I'm with Jesus. This is wonderful. Are those birds out there? Do I hear kids playing out there? What's that noise? And Martha wants to make it clear. And most commentaries believe that Jesus is speaking and Martha barges into the conversation and stops the conversation and says, Jesus, listen, I'm slaving in the kitchen. You know how hot it is? 355 degrees in there. I bake the bread. I got the ram roasting in the, in the oven. The clothes are all... Listen, Jesus, if it was up to Mary... There would be bed bugs in your bed, but I took care of that. And she's not helping. And listen, Jesus, you need to do something about this. Or do you not care? But just just point of reference on the side. This is free of charge. Don't ever say to Jesus that he doesn't care. I, this is where Jesus is so cool. Jesus doesn't say, uh, lady, I'm about to walk the hill to Golgotha, being whipped and beaten and spat upon, and, and I'm going to have my hands and feet nailed to a cross, and I'm going to die. C can we talk about the definition of caring? He doesn't do that. He's so patient. He's so kind and, and meets her right where she's at. And, and for some of us this morning, we're angry. We're angry because we're working hard. And, and God bless you for all that you're doing. And, and yes, listen, yes, there is probably good reason for you to be angry. As you look out, your husband's not helping a bit. Listen, husbands, help. You better start helping. It's Mother's Day, yes, that means husbands get yelled at. Start helping your wives. They're not single parents. Help them out. Minister to them. Take care of some of those needs. Say, uh, honey, I'll take this one. I'll take this one. You just sit down and enjoy yourself. The kids are not her job. They're your job and her job together. Be partners in it. So she's fed up. She's turned to Jesus. She's angry. She's angry at her sister. She's angry at herself. Notice some of the phrases that are used. It says, first of all, she was distracted. Second of all, she was anxious. And third, she was troubled. I want you to notice that when we play the Martha kind of living without enjoying the Mary life as well, three things happen. We become fed up. Write this down relationally. Relationally. She's ticked at her sister. 
I wonder what the disciples were thinking when Martha came into the room and barged in. Have you ever been at a dinner party and the, and the hosts are fighting? And you just kind of look around, oh, the centerpiece looks beautiful, doesn't it, guys? And, and uh, let them just kind of finish their thing, and it's obnoxious, and it's, you just don't know what to do. But Martha's ticked at her sister. She's angry because she thinks that her sister's not doing enough of pulling her weight. You're a Martha that's in a little bit of trouble if everywhere you look, people aren't working as hard as you are. Oh, that spirit rings true in my life. When I'm tired, when I'm not feeling 100%, I am quick to speak to God and say, God, aren't you glad you got Tim Bedall on your side? Aren't you glad? All these lazy people. But you can count on Tim. How many moms are there right now? Where relationally, you're mad at the kids. You're mad at your husband. You're mad at the teachers. You're mad at the the store clerk. You're mad at everybody. I am working my fingers to the bone. I am tired and nobody's helping. And because of that, you're so spent that relationally, you're angry at everybody. Martha's there. She's fed up relationally. My sister is good for nothing. Number two, she was fed up personally. She's anxious. She's troubled. She's worried. This is a picture. One commentary said, this is a picture of an unsettled woman, a a discontented woman. She, She finds herself at a place that the more she does, the more angry she becomes. The more she does, the less joy she has. And some of you this morning find yourself unsettled. You find yourself feeling like a failure. You find yourself feeling like all that you do accomplishes nothing and there's just more. I see that on my wife's face when it comes to laundry. Right when she gets it done, another Mount Everest appears. And it's like this never anything. I saw on Facebook, by the way, I thought it was cool, and I knew how my wife was going to respond. But, but the question was, and I think some of you ladies were answering it, which one would you rather have, a, a, plate for, a, um, plate, or a sink full of plates or uh, baskets full of laundry? That tells you something about something. I don't know, but it's a cute little Facebook test. But sometimes we do, we do, we do, and, and it's never-ending. And we're mad at ourselves. We feel like we're a failure. I wonder if Martha's sitting there going, the roast is, is rare and they're going to want to eat soon. Jesus in his last point. The bread didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. I didn't get to tuck in the sheets on the bed. I wasn't able to wash all the fine stuff. I would have liked to have known a little ahead of time so I could have gotten flowers for the table. Worried about all these things. And I wonder if Martha, after everything was done, didn't even enjoy herself. Didn't even enjoy her time with Jesus. She was fed up spiritually. She did not go to Jesus for refreshment. She went to Jesus for revenge. She had an opportunity to encounter the Almighty. But instead of doing so, she used the Almighty for her purposes. Instead of listening to Jesus, she yelled at Jesus. And some of us this morning, because of the pressures of motherhood, because of the pressures of family life, we're fed up relationally. 
we're fed up personally. And we're fed up spiritually. That instead of with open hands thanking God for what He's given, we're shaking our fists at God and saying, how dare you? Don't you care? Martha's got some work to do. And yet, Jesus says, listen, I'm not going to answer the way you want. Because Mary has chosen the good portion, the right thing. Does that mean Mary was perfect? By no means. Mary had issues. Mary had struggles. But Jesus says she's going to stay right where she's at because amidst the task, she has chosen relationship. She has chosen intimacy with the Almighty. And instead of being fed up, we see Mary was filled up. She was filled up. She was taught by Jesus. She would take Jesus' words and apply them to her life. She would grow from them. She would dig deep into the good portion of what God was giving. And Jesus says that's not going to be taken away from her. You see, in our doing, after the meal is done and the dishes are put away, people will still be hungry. But when we run to Jesus and we fall at Jesus' feet and we listen and we're taught by Jesus, uh, that doesn't go away. That lasts a lifetime. Let me ask you this morning, moms, are you fed up or are you filled up? I know it's not easy being a mom, and I know it's a lot easier to be a Martha than it is a Mary. And for us, uh, for you as moms, not us as moms, for you as moms, sometimes you allow the pressure to exceed the pleasure. Sometimes you forget what your work is all for. Sometimes you forget all that striving, all that toiling, the harvest that is coming. I'm going to close my message breaking all kinds of cardinal sins as a preacher. I'm going to show a video that's six minutes long. That's one cardinal rule. Three minutes tops, nothing more. People can watch five hours of sports and 20 hours of lifetime movies, but they can only in church watch three minutes of videos. Number two, I'm going to show you a six-minute video that has subtitles. Yeah, you're going to have to read. Okay, And it's a modern day parable that I want to come back here in a moment and close our time with a reminder to all moms to not allow the pressure to exceed the pleasure. So get your focus. For those that were sleeping the entire time I was speaking, someone wake you up and turn your attention because I think this video, while it may, you may wonder what it's all about at the beginning, will teach an important lesson, especially for you moms. So let's watch. Chers amis des Metropolis, bonjour. Avec une production estimée à environ 1 million 600 000 tonnes, la Côte d'Ivoire est le premier producteur mondial et exportateur de fèves de cacao, un ingrédient qui rentre dans la composition du chocolat. The cacao is a milliarder business, die de wereld verdeelt in sloopers en in sloopers. Wij Westerlingen hebben de luxe om van chocolat te kunnen genieten. Maar die luxe is hier in die voorkust bij cacaoboeren zoals Unda Alfonse ver te zoeken. Je suis en train de chercher un peu de cacao. Vous voyez, ça là, sur le chocolat. Cette année-là, je n'ai rien eu. Et puis plus de cacao là aussi, c'est pas monté. On ne sait pas comment faire. Alfonse is een van de 700.000 kleine boeren werkzaam in de Ivoriaanse cacao teelt. Hij oogst en droogt de bonen, maar hij kan er zelf geen chocola van maken. Donc on est, on est, on est avec là les, ces fèves-là. Est-ce que vous savez ce qu'on en fait 
En tout cas, nous, on ne sait pas comment on prend cacao là même pour feu. Mais comme on dit de printer cacao là, on est là pour printer cacao. Parce qu'on parle que cacao là, c'est un magie. Mais nous, on ne connaît pas comment on prend pour faire. D'accord. Moi, j'ai une surprise pour vous. Ouais. J'ai là dans, dans ma poche là. Mmh. Vous voyez ça, c'est du chocolat. Ouais. C'est avec ça qu'on... C'est à partir de ce fèvre là qu'on qu fait ça. Bon, c'est du chocolat. Oui. Et... Pour goûter, quoi Ah bon. Non, prenez ça pour vous, allez-y. C'est doux. C'est doux là. Vous aimez C'est très intéressant. Ya cacao là, c'est bon truc. Ah bon On mange. Vous aimez ça Vraiment, aimé. Vous n'avez jamais goûté au chocolat Non, non. On n'a jamais goûté au chocolat. Si c'est pour aujourd'hui. Onda verbouwt al jaren cacao. Maar heeft dus nog nooit chocola van dichtbij gezien. Het enige wat hij doet is zijn bonen afleveren bij de tussenhandelaar. Maar nu hij ervan geproefd heeft, is hij meteen zo enthousiast dat hij vindt dat al zijn vrienden het moeten proeven. C'est Chocolade is nauwelijks verkrijgbaar in die voorkust. Bovendien is het daar relatief duur. Een chocoladereep kost hier 2 euro per stuk. En Alfonso verdient maar 7,50 euro per dag. Van dat geld moet hij 15 gezinsleden onderhouden en betaalt hij 4 arbeiders. We zijn op de kleine plantage van Onda Alfons. Die druk bezig is om samen met zijn arbeiders de rijpe cacaovruchten te oogsten. Alors expliquez-nous qu'est-ce que vous faites là en ce moment Pour que je ne rentre pas dedans. Pour, pour s'armenter bien. Zo begint iedere reep chocolade als een bergje bonen op een bedje van bananenbladeren. Maar ook hier op de plantage blijken de arbeiders niet op de hoogte van het verdere verloop van de wereldwijde chocoladeketen. Alors le cacao, est-ce que vous savez ce qu'on a fait? On plante le cacao, nous on ne sait pas ce que le cacao s'en a fait en ville là-bas. Alphonse, là, le, le cacao, alors les gens l'utilisent pour faire le, le chocolat. Tenez ça, vous ne pouvez pas voir. C'est manger pour les brins, mm -hmm. c'est ça qui s'appelle chocolat. Mm -hmm. Le cacao en prend pour faire. Ngamo, il y a un cacao. Cacao, 
ça, ça va à l'usine. Mmh. C'est une grande usine où vous avez des coins pour piler, mmh. vous faites de la poudre, mmh. et puis d'autres produits qu'on mélange et puis ça devient comme ça. Mais c'est la grande et ça là. Eh. Oui, ça c'est les fèves qui donnent ça. Est-ce que c'est cela que vous avez mangé et puis votre corps est bien propre À travers le chocolat Non, c'est pas le chocolat qui a Mais vraiment, parce que. Comme les enfants n'ont pas mangé aussi. Je vais garder ce athée là, je vais la montrer. Ouais, voilà, mais c'est pas tout. Je... Alphonse et zijn harde werkers hebben de smaak meteen goed te pakken. En zijn blij so met de meaning of that story. Moms, guys, you can come forward. We got some guys. We're gonna. We don't do this in church very often. Tim's fallen off his rocker. I'm gonna share some food with you today. Here's the thing. And when you grab whatever, we're going to send some chocolate around. I don't want you to, uh, to eat it right away. We're going to eat it together, okay? So you can pick out what chocolate you want. But here's the reminder for moms. Moms, for a lot of you, you're the cocoa farmers. You're working hard. Did you notice at the beginning of the video, they would say, continue hard workers. And it wasn't with excitement. There was a bit of a drudgery to it. There was a bit of Martha-ness to it. Yeah, I'm a mom, I got to continue. Tomorrow brings more and more hardships, more and more troubles. I've got this appointment because the kid is struggling here. I've got this fight with my husband. I've got this load of laundry I got to get done. I got this deadline at work. Moms, you're filled with pressure. But when you begin to realize, when you begin to realize the byproduct of all your hard work, and you begin to taste it, at the end of the video, they were excited about what they were doing. There was a dignity and respect to what they were doing. What they were producing was bringing joy to their heart because now they saw the net result. And the reminder was the same. Continue hard workers. Moms, continue the hard work that you're doing. But in your Martha kind of life, make sure you enjoy it like Mary does. Okay? Some of you are opening the candy already. I said, wait! I said, wait, be patient. Okay? And by the way, for those that are newer to the church, this is not communion. Okay? All right? I like this church. This is my kind of bread. All right? Some of you, it's taken so long because you're picking like five or six pieces out. As we finish up the handing out of these things, what you want to do is I want you to open the wrapper. And as you do, and I hope you do this every time you have a chocolate, I want you to remember, as the kids reminded us, especially moms, but this is true for all of us, amidst all of our hard work, boy, this works for pastors, all the toiling, all the work that we do, all the work we do as parents, as, as people within the church, we can sometimes get mad and say, why isn't anybody helping? And we can focus in on the drudgery of the job instead of the delight of the job. Like the cocoa farmers who got to taste all of what their hard work produced. I want you to take that chocolate and instead of chomping it and chewing it, I want you to let that just kind of melt on your tongue. And I want you to, as you do that, just, just close your eyes for a moment. And, and moms especially, 
Count your blessings. I know there's a lot you could be angry about. I know there's a lot you could be frustrated about. But all of us, let's count our blessings for a moment. And let's just thank God. God, thank you for this opportunity to enjoy life. God, thank you for the good things that are going on. I bellyache about the bad things. I bellyache about how tired I am, how sick I am. But I just want to delight in your good. Go put that in your mouth and just let that for a moment savor. And as that's melting in your mouth, just thank God in whatever way he has blessed you and ministering to you. Just enjoy that for a moment. Let's just in the quietness of our moment, let's just enjoy the chocolate. Father God, we come before you and we live in a world that demands that we're Martha. Our calendars are full. Our patience is at, a, at an all-time low. We're frustrated relationally. We're frustrated personally. We're frustrated spiritually. There's a lot on our plate, Lord. There's a lot that's being demanded of us and we can go through the Martha kind of world and allow the pressure to exceed the pleasure Lord I pray for my congregation but even more especially for the moms today that you would allow them to be reminded as that chocolate melts in their mouth the sweetness of it the joy that it is to 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 eat that to be a reminder that the pleasure of being a mom, the pleasure of being a daughter of the Most High King, the Almighty, to be a woman who has been washed clean of her sins, who's been made as white as snow, the mom who's been given the opportunity, even at times the frustrating opportunity to be a mom, that you would remind each mom here today how much you love them what a blessing it is to have those frustrations in life because those behind every frustration that they have Lord is a somebody is a child is a spouse is a friend is a brother and sister in Christ and we are so quick to share our frustrations and we should Lord but let us not forget to enjoy what comes along the way. So Lord, whether we find ourselves as moms of kids who are really struggling, or moms of kids who are really excelling, uh, Lord, of, of moms or wives that are in families that are uh, got a lot of good going on, or a lot of emergencies taking place, that in the good, the bad, and ugly of life, that we would stop and count our blessings and enjoy the chocolate and savor all that you're doing, that we would love to sit at your feet, that we would disengage sometimes from the to-do list to just listen to you and hear from you and enjoy your presence and your fellowship. Lord, I pray that our moms would do that, that they would do that so that they might be refreshed and refilled, that instead of being fed up, that they might be filled up by your good grace and your love. Lord, we again thank you for the moms. We thank you for what they do and what they mean to us. And pray, Lord, I pray especially that today would be a time of great encouragement for them. That they would walk out 
remembering to enjoy the chocolate. We love you and give you all the glory for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.